You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome back to the Hot Take Hot Box. We are joined by a special guest, Derek DeMaria. Derek, how are you feeling on this somber eulogy Friday afternoon that we're going to have here on the very first day of October, I believe? Yeah, first day of October. Um, I guess this is what now the 10th year in a row. We, I guess we'll technically watch baseball in October. For We got the season extended a little bit for three more days. So technically we get to watch October baseball, but it's not... Not the kind of October baseball that we wanted to watch. Yeah, uh, Philly has let us down once again. Yep, and we, we all we all knew it was going to happen, but it just I, I guess it, it just we never knew how it was going to look, and it, it looked pretty brutal. It went down. Uh, I, where I, where do we, where do we begin? I mean, uh, how did you feel about the they they still continued the up and down throughout September since the last time we talked on here and. It, it just, you know, wins against the teams that they shouldn't win against, and then they would lose teams, you know, lose games against teams that they shouldn't lose. Uh, I really the worst. I actually knew we were gonna we were fucked when we lost to that Sunday game against the Pirates and got shut out. I knew that was like in typical Phillies fashion they were gonna go on one of those. Now we ha- we have literally no idea how to manufacture a run or hit the baseball anymore, and we're gonna get shut out for eighteen straight innings. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was really frustrating. I mean, the whole easy schedule thing, I mean, at the end of the day, like, everyone's still a major league baseball team. So, like, yeah, you, you want to sweep series and stuff like that. But, like, just really like the Pirates and Orioles came into town. Like, realistically, you probably weren't going to win all seven. Um, but, like, even in the Orioles, I mean, they had no business winning some of the games in the Orioles series. They didn't hit either. No. Um, so, basically, they didn't hit against the Orioles. They barely hit against the Pirates. And then they get shut out. And then they go into Atlanta and – I mean, I could have. I saw this coming for three months yeah. when I realized that we were going to go to Atlanta at the end of the season. And I mean, they're just the Braves are just a much better team. Um, the they they pitch it, they hit it, they run the bases. Um, their their lineup's deep. They made some good moves at the deadline, and, and it is it is what it is. The Phillies just they're not a good team. Um, no. Literally from top to bottom. I mean, they they have two, three top-end players, and then just a bunch of average guys. Um, it's bad pitching, bad bullpen, bad managing, no bench. So, like, you're just not going to win that way. I mean, you have too many – yeah, you have too many holes. There's just holes throughout the lineup. Your shortstop's hitting, uh, you know, around 211, 210. The last time I uh, – who knows what? It's probably down in the low 200s by now. McCutcheon, who hits a home run once in a while and just – you know, keeps it afloat. Just really, since the knee injury, has not produced anywhere near what you need. You're basically getting nothing from center field all year long. Uh, absolute revolving door. Uh, O'Double is the only competent uh, major league baseball player that's been able to stay out there. So, and, and then you know, pitching, bullpen, all of that. So, I guess the more fun conversation because they're dead. They're dead. We we can sit here and talk about the season we the things we knew were going to happen that wound up happening how they were always going to come up short and uh, it wound up being I don't even know what you can specifically blame but it's in that Atlanta series it just the offense again went cold done 
What do you do? What is what, like? What would the first move you would do if you were if you were the general manager, Derek? What, what would if Derek Derek Demarie is just named the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies? What, are, what? Give me some moves. Not even one. You can give me some more. I think you, you, it all starts with pitching. Um, from my perspective, I think in Major League Baseball, I mean, you got to win game. You got to stack wins in the regular season, and offense is going to come and go throughout the year. Even the best teams, you know, have they go through slumps offensively. But if you, if you have a loaded rotation or at least three legit starters that are going to give you a chance to win every time out, you're going to be able to stack wins. And that's been the Phillies' problem all year. We see they would win one or two, lose one or two, because they couldn't get consistent starting pitching. So I think, I mean, Aaron Nola this year has, I mean, he fell flat on his face. I don't know if he's this is what he's going to be. I mean, I still think he could be a number two pitcher. He pitched this year like he's a number three. So I'm going out and getting someone that's going to either, you know, push Nola for that second spot, and if Nola becomes himself again, is a good number three. Um, but in the worst case, we get, you go out and you get a guy who's a number two, and you push Nola to the number three. Um, that's the first thing I'm doing. And then the second thing is you again for the probably the fifth straight year is we have to address the bullpen because mm-hmm. we got it sort of right, but not all the way right. Um, I think they, they the bullpen was better, but yeah. in, until until you have a legit closer, I think in in this league, unless you're a team like the Rays, you're you're going to struggle to to put wins together. Um, the pieces they have back there, I don't hate any of those guys as sixth, seventh, eighth inning guys, but they need to go get a legit back end closer who has closed in this league, and that's what he does. Yeah, and it's kind of been a, a sore spot in the bullpen for years now. I mean, now, it is crazy when when I saw that stat that we are one of the largest postseason droughts in professional sports. Like yeah, we, I mean, just in Major League Baseball, we're, we have the second longest one. If the Mariners sneak into the playoffs here, we'll have the longest. I mean, that when you think about that, it's just flat out pathetic. Like a, a franchise like the Phillies who dominated so much in the early 2010s, late 2000s, to not make the playoffs for ten years is an embarrassment. Yeah, and I'm I am embarrassed, man. I feel embarrassed watching the team. I'm I'm embarrassed to be to be a Phillies fan today. Long long, long ways away from the the glory days, man. When, and, when you have franchises like the Brewers and the Twins and the Royals and Tigers all making postseason, and the Rays, you know, like more uh, recent, yeah, more recently you know? than you, like it's just it's just a flat out embarrassment. And it's crazy. This is the closest we've been. Probably yep. the whole time, right? Since since that since those, I mean, because twenty twelve they didn't they weren't really in the race necessarily. This is at no, least we got to the couple years of cap where where we kind of were in it towards the end. Yeah, it didn't work, but they had a similar situation with Kapler where they had an Atlanta series that was pretty meaningful, and they, if I remember correctly, got worked in that one too. So <clears throat> I mean, we're just not like you said; we're, they're just a better baseball team than we are. They have they're way deeper. They just like you are, you said it all. They they just they're just better. And yeah, I mean realistically, again we talked about it before, but like the division was so bad that it you know it masks some things. Mm-hmm. But like if, if they don't lose Soroka to an Achilles tear, if they don't lose Acuna, I mean they we're probably not in this oh, spot. No, they probably win the here. division by seven eight games. And if the Mets aren't a complete inept organization and they don't lose the ground, they probably you know are ahead of us too. Um, People forget that you know Degrom really hadn't made a start since before, right before the All Star break. I mean, that's ten to twelve wins 
he's winning every time out. So, it, I mean, as long as they hit. So, who knows what would have happened if they were healthy as well. But we really had no business being in the race. We're, I think, very clearly the third best team in the division. And unfortunately, with no youth, like young talent and an aging roster of guys who continue to not perform, I don't really know, you know, what the outlook is for the future. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. <clears throat> like you said, the prospects are very few and far between. I, I It's going to involve <laughs> spending a lot of money, and as we've uh, kind of learned, I don't really think – I mean, he's well, it's already the fourth largest or something. I, I think I've heard a stat like that. Like We're one of the largest payrolls in baseball already. So Right, with a team who doesn't perform. Exactly. So, uh, so I don't know where you the go. The other problem is, and I, I talk about this you know, with friends and with people every year, and I take one side, they take another side. But each year when you go into free agency, you have to know what you're looking for. You have to target it. But you have to be successful or at least semi-successful in going after it. And they've done such a poor job in free agency that it feels like every offseason – we're trying we're going into an off season and saying we need a starter, we need two relievers, we need a third baseman, we need a center fielder, we probably need a left fielder, and we maybe even need a shortstop. Well, it's not realistic for a team to just go plug eleven positions in one off season. Like there's only so much money to go around and so many players on the market. Like if thirty guys hit the market, the Phillies can't sign sixteen of them. That's just not realistic. Yeah. So at the end of the day, when you know, if two years ago you, you you got Harper and you got two bullpen pieces and they worked out, and then the next year you got a center fielder and a starter, and then this year you might only need a third baseman and one more reliever. But when you continually either miss out or miss on your signings year after year, it keeps it's just a revolving door of we still need this many guys, we still need that. Like starting pitching has been just pathetic for five six seven years now and the only guy realistically that we have brought in that matters to the starting rotation is zach wheeler it was a great signing yeah but i mean the trade for gibson's i didn't hate because he's under contract and if he's your number four next year yeah, um that's, that's not a bad situation yeah i mean and i think i mean i actually saw his numbers he actually pitched a lot worse than it appeared to us i think like well it towards like the end especially us- it seemed like he gave you a pretty good start every time out, and then I went back and looked at the numbers, and he had 12 starts, and he had like a 5'10 ERS. Oh, yeah. That's not very good. Yeah. Um, and if you know, <laughs> if Ranger Suarez can come back and, and do next year what he did this year, I mean, he's very clearly in your rotation. He was probably the second-best pitcher on the team this year. But, yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be a – there's going to be – there's not a ton of starting pitching in the market, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, like they're just simply not going to get Scherzer. No, um, he'll be he out there. They're not going to. They're not going to pay that money. So no. they're going to have to find you know find a way to be creative and either make a trade or or sign a guy. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. And then I think I think one of the outfield spots definitely is going to have to be addressed, and third base is going to have to be addressed. I think starting pitching one outfield spot and third base are like the three main spots that they have yeah. to address right, right from the start. And uh, you were doing that with the assumption that uh stop is going to be your shortstop next year, or is that just, you just uh, don't, no, don't I'm, view it really as important as the other positions. I, I'm just assuming DD's the shortstop. He's under contract. Oh boy. Um, I think DD had a bad year. He, he, he was hurt. I mean, him and JT, they didn't play well. I'm 
not going to just give up on either of those guys. I think they're both good professional hitters that both played pretty injured all year. I mean, when I went back, I didn't even realize D.B. only played 90 games this season. Um, And I think, I mean, you can say what you want. He didn't play well. But when, you know, when you're coming off a Tommy John surgery on your elbow and then you re-injure it and, you know, you have to hit 98, 99 mile an hour fastballs every day, I'm sure it was bothering them. Um, JT had a wrist and a shoulder injury. And one of the issues with, Real Muto is when you count on your catcher to be your second best hitter, they're never going to be at their best when you need them the most. And that's at the end of the year because they're going to be worn down. Yeah. Um, so there's the hoping, you know, you get a DH soon in the National League and you can spare him a little bit there. And I do think getting Hoskins back will matter. I think if Hoskins was in this lineup down the stretch, they would have won some more games. Yeah, they may have made the playoffs, um, honestly, if he was around. But I mean, JT's a hitter. I mean, DD's whole career, he's been a 270, 280 hitter. Every year he played in New York, he hit 20-plus homers. So I'm willing to let him come back, give him a healthy year, because at the end of the day, he's on the contract anyway. He's yeah. not, unless you can, I don't see you trading him for anything significant. So you might as well bring him back. If he struggles, he struggles. Then you have to, you know, find another option. I, I mean, the shortstop class is loaded in free agency, but I don't think the Phillies are going to spend the money I don't think they're going to go out and spend two fifty to three hundred million on a shortstop. Um, so that and we've seen how slow they work with prospects. I think Stott will at least start next year in the minors, and you know if he if he's hot, maybe they bring him up and they give him a chance to play third base if they don't, you know, make a move there. But yeah, it's going to be interesting because there's going to be some names on the market that would make him a lot better. But it's you know whether they would want to spend the money on him. Yeah, what uh, I mean, could you in theory could uh, get one of the shortstops and move them to uh, third base? Let them just pick yeah, out if I you mean, really wanted to. If, yeah, if I was the Phillies, my, my top three targets in free agency number one would be Trevor Story. I'd yep. pay Trevor Story whatever he wanted. I love him. Um, dude. I think you put him in a lineup in either in front of or behind Harper in our stadium, and both of those guys have MVP seasons. Um, then you're pushing Hoskins and Real Muto to you know your third, fourth, fifth best hitters on the team, especially if you get hold on to Segura. And I think Story could probably play third base for a year, Yeah, which would be nice. I mean, I don't think we'll sign him, but he would be my number one target. And then number two, I would look at Nick Castellanos. Um, I think that Uh, guy just flat out hits. I mean, he's a a walking 300 hitter. He can play left field. Um He's got an edge and an attitude the way he plays that I think would just fit absolutely perfect here. And But, again, he's a guy that's going to make a lot of money, so I don't see him going there. And then my number three guy, not a guy that I love. I don't think he's, you know, the best pitcher in the world, but he's had success in the division, and I think he would really help our uh, rotation is Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are those are my top three guys, and, and my number four is Chris Taylor. I think Chris Taylor would be an absolute slam dunk for because of his verse. I mean, he can literally play any position. Um, he's going to hit for some power. He can run. He's kind of going to give you the ability to – he's going to be able to – whatever night you need him to play anywhere, if a guy's hurt, if you're getting a guy rest, he's going to be able to play and produce. What about Chris Bryant? I know it's just um, – I'm not a Chris Bryant guy. Um, I like Chris Bryant. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to get way too much money for, for what he produces, yeah. and he's a guy that's continuously injured. And I think to he's probably going to stay as, you know, I guess he's a third baseman slash outfielder, but he's getting a little bit older. 
Um, I just don't think the amount of money at his age and his production level at this point that they'd have to spend on him helps them become a better team. Like, I think if you paid Story that much money, he's just a high-impact player for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, whereas I just don't see Bryant having the same impact for the amount of money he's going to make. Okay. Uh, pitchers, I'm seeing, you know, like you said, it's not a lot of these guys, a couple older guys. I mean, you got, I don't know, like Verlander, Cranky. You forget about those guys over there in Houston, but Verlander's hurt, right? Yeah, he, he didn't pitch this year. He's coming off Tommy John. Uh, Robbie Ray is an interesting name. I mean, he's having a great year with the Blue Jays. He was really bad last year. So it's like, you know, sometimes like and like Kevin Gosman's another guy, like having yeah. an incredible year after really not doing much. It's like, are these guys a product of the system that they're in? Did they figure it out? Can they, I mean, because like we've seen guys be really good in some spots and then, and then go to that next spot and it not work out yeah. because, you know, whatever it is, you know pitching philosophy in one spot, you know, working with a specific pitching coach, you know, just different things. So I, I'm a little hesitant on some of those veteran type guys who have had like not a ton of success and then have had a ton in one season. Cause I, I don't really always believe that a guy just like figures it out and then just, you know, becomes a lights out arm for it, the back end of his career. Is it just a flash in the pan type season? It's always tough. And, and I, I feel like it would not that it's really the exact same situation, but you would kind of be like betting on them, similar to how we bet on Zach Wheeler. <clears throat> we were like, you know, qu- questioning if he could become the guy that we thought he was. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, we yeah. we were kind of projecting him to be a number one, number two sort of level starter, and he we actually were right. But there's another side of that where he becomes like, you know, you spend all that money on a guy who never lives up to the potential or expectations that you guys were we set out on. Yeah, him. it's it's tough too because I mean like. Basically, the free agent market is what you have to work with because they yeah. don't have anyone to trade. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, they can make a small trade here or there, but the problem is you're not trading Stott. No. And anyone else of any value that you would have to trade, you'd be trading out of your starting lineup, and at that point you're just addition by subtraction. You're just trading out one guy for another guy. Like if you're trading a Hoskins or a Segura to get a pitcher, well, you just got – worse at that position spot but you got better at pitchers so it's gonna have to be there's gonna have to be some creativeness in, in free agency and you know at some point hopefully Dombrowski now after you know watching this dumpster fire for a full year can kind of address some of the issues and at some point somebody's gonna have to come in here and be able to win around the margins when it comes in the free agency and sign some guys who aren't the biggest names and don't make the most money but are gonna make impacts I would love Castellanos the more I think about it, man. I didn't, you know, that would, that's the perfect thing on the opposite side of, you know, put him out in left field, let, you know, another guy, a guy on the opposite side of the other plate. We can just put those, you know, Hyam Hoskins. We can sandwich Harper in between those two. Yeah, I mean, Castellanos, he just probably one of the best five hitters in Major League Baseball. I've wanted him on the Phillies for like 10 years now, and he would just be awesome. Um, but I think. Th- I personally think they're probably going to target center field yeah. more and probably figure out some type of platoon in um, in left. So I think like starting Marte, Chris Taylor, those are the guys I think you're going to see. You know, they're the names you're going to hear. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to bring McCutcheon back on a on a small deal oh, as yeah. as some type of like lefty righty platoon. 
Because at the end of the day, like if McCutcheon comes back and makes three, four million a year and only plays against lefties, I mean, it's not a bad bat to have. He just can't be making the money he's making now or playing every day. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he's a good clubhouse guy. They try to bring him back as a platoon with, you know, who knows who else um, in, in left field. I like Conforto, too, but he's a Met. So, uh, you know, I got to keep that to myself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it, yeah, I think it's just a lot. There's going to be a lot of – we can talk about this all day long because there's a lot for them to do and a lot of different holes and all sorts of stuff. But it, it's uh, – the only positive feeling I get is when you talk about free agency. and then I, But in the back of my mind, I just know they're not going to do anything with it. They're not <laughs> – they, they're not going to make a move. They'll kind of – they'll sign – you know, Joe Blanton to another deal, you know, at 50 years old to give him, let's see, let's see if it's big Joe's got another fucking inning left in him. But yeah, well, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, the list here. If you want to plug in a third baseman to fill the gap, it looks like, um, Michael Franco is going to be on the market. There you so, go. All right. Well, so <laughs> you reunite him and Freddie Todd Frazier uh, could always go we'll get him. Little, we'll make a little Freddie Galvis platoon with Michael Franco at third base and make a little run next year. Could get Pedro Feliz. He could still, you know, <laughs> if, the, if the Camden River Sharks were around, he would still be playing for them. So, He'd uh, be in game shape. Yeah. Uh, what about the rest of playoff baseball? Like, who do you think is? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different juggernaut sort of teams, star wise in baseball. But who do you think has the best shot to win the World Series? Or who would you yeah, put I your mean, money down today? I mean, if I had to pick one team, <laughs> I think you have to pick the Dodgers. They're just yeah. so good. Um. One through eight, they just absolutely tear the cover off the ball. And then when you can run out Scherzer, Bueller, Urias, like all these guys, I mean, they're just – they're loaded. Um, a bullpen is good. I just saw st- – Kenley Jansen has like – his ERA is like .3 since like August 1st or something. He's just like revitalizing his career after he was down a little bit. Um, I think – I mean, but at the end of the day, like, they're going to have to play one-game playoff most likely because the, the Caplers just won't go away. Fighting Caplers, and, bro. Yeah, I, I, the Dodgers, there's something like – they're like 31-8 and eight or something since August 1st, and they've only made up two games in the division. Um, Crazy. It's just absolutely incredible what the Giants are doing. But if the Dodgers get through the playoff game, the one-game play, and I think it's their World Series to lose. Um, in the American League – I mean, the Rays are the Rays. I think not having glass now is going to hurt them in, in a series because they don't really have that true shutdown number one. Um, I think my, my team out of the American League that, that I'm going to watch is, is the White Sox. Okay. I think that they, they have a couple good arms that, um, they can hit, and having Hendricks and Kimbrell in the back end of their bullpen I think is going to be huge. The fight in La Russa's. Yeah, we're going to get a Tony La Russa-Dusty Baker first-round series. I mean – Fire me up, two thousand and one. Yeah, man, they might. They, so I, I, mean, I think Larusa might get himself involved in an altercation at some point yeah, during the playoffs. Two thousand. It's two thousand one and two thousand twenty one. We had Tony Larusa versus Dusty Baker, just duking it out for a first round playoff matchup. And it's not the Giants versus the Cardinals. It's the Astros and the White Sox. Do you think Harper wins the MVP? Yes. Um, I just don't. I don't. I just can't see the MLB giving the MVP to Tatis because. He just fell apart down the stretch, and yeah. they're going to finish under 500. Phillies aren't going to make the playoffs either. I think Harper had more of an impact, and I just don't see any way in the world that they would give the MVP to Austin Riley. Um, I think he'd be the next most deserving guy with the Braves making the playoffs and the numbers he's supposed to. He has better numbers than Muncie. 
Um, yeah. So I think Harper will win it. But I don't know because I think the MLB hates Bryce Harper for some reason because somehow he won no players of the month all year. Yep. Basically wasn't recognized for anything he did. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't win it, but I do think he should and will. He definitely is deserving. That's that's. I feel the exact same way. I feel like he's going to get screwed, but he definitely, you know, what what more could he have done? He just didn't. He didn't play well in the in the Brave series, but. I, yeah, like I, you know, okay, so that's what I'm saying. Gonna, like he played for well for and, two straight months, and zero for nine doesn't eliminate you exactly. from winning yeah. an MVP. Like it's baseball. Like one of his games are getting freed. He's the best left-handed pitcher in baseball over the last two months. Like sometimes you're gonna strike out. Like, oh yeah, but you know how these mush brains think. They're just like you oh, yeah. play well in your biggest game of the season. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, we lost what seven to two last night or the night before, and we got killed five three. Like. I guess Harper was supposed to hit like a six-run homer in the one game yeah. and give him the lead. And like it's baseball, you can't single-handedly carry a team. Well, as you said, like, zero for nine. He, those guys weren't exactly turning the lineup over themselves either. We, so we hit nine for eighty-one in the series. We hit so that that, but it was Harper's fault. Yep. Nine for eighty-one, one eleven in the series. So let's go for the old quick pivot, dude. The old Todd Powers pivot over to uh, <laughs> over to the birds. Um, triple threat position. Yeah, dude. Oh, you know them Powers love the Drive triple pass. threat position, Drive dude. Pass. Drive pass. Ball, 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 man, 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 man. Nah. So listen, uh, I I'll get your thoughts on the Eagles game from last week. Obviously, I don't think there's you know we don't there's <laughs> not to quote Jalen Hurts, but you know we don't, we're, we're gonna flush it, dude. We're gonna keep it moving. But there, you know, when you when you're flushing it and moving on to this game, it's where where's the relief here? I'm uh, I'm I'm a little concerned. We're gonna get our doors blown off us at home now. Yeah, um, it's Monday night was bad. Um, I went into it with the thought process of I didn't think we were gonna win. Um, I I'm a huge Eagles fan. Um, I try to stay with. You know, I'm always gonna have my biased takes. Yeah. Um, one of my non-Eagles biased takes, and I had it last year and I had it again this year, and, you know, people will kill me for it, but I think the Cowboys are a good team. Um, oh, yeah. I think the Cowboys are a very good team, as much as I hate to say it, and I'll argue the point till you know, the end of the day, but Dak Prescott's one of the best five to eight quarterbacks in the NFL, and I don't care if people agree with me or not. The guy just – he doesn't make mistakes. He makes plays. He He's poised. He just – he doesn't really get thrown off. And I, I think thought going into that game, like everyone thought it was going to be a lot closer than it should be. Um, and I just, this offense that the Eagles run, I just don't think is sustainable. Um, it's gimmicky. It yep. just, I'm a West Virginia fan. I watch big 12 football every week. I mean, I just feel like I'm watching TCU or Oklahoma state. Like it's just, it's bubble screen. It's inside screen. It's, read option um it's just not an nfl bootleg constant Um, bootleg or rolling out i mean i'm totally content if the eagles go three and whatever they play 14 this year i really won't care um i think it's a free one-year tryout for hertz um you either find out if he can play good if he can't play you know you got to make you know move on um you let him play as many games as possible if he's healthy and you just see what happens um but I, I just think the the style of play that they have to play to fit his skill set, you just can't win with in the NFL. And I do agree they are going to get throttled by the Chiefs. 
Yeah, you know, that's that aside, you know, <laughs> we I, I've already made my peace with that. We are going to get blown out. I just hope for the my worst fan. thing that could have happened for us is that the Chiefs are coming in here at one and two and need to make. Yeah, exactly. We, we, I was if hoping- they were three and zero, oh, they might have slept walk. You know, maybe you lose twenty seven seventeen. We're we're giving up forty. Oh, without and it. I hope we do because Patrick Mahomes is my fantasy quarterback. So. Yeah, that's you know now just basically that's what's forced me to just turn into a fantasy fan this year. And I'm yeah, just like, as long as he doesn't put up so many points that he doesn't play in like the fourth quarter, because that wouldn't be great. I hope we keep it respectable enough that he keeps passing. And then you you know the, how about the the thing that well I, not only as a fantasy owner but just enrages me as an Eagles fan is they they have totally just ran away from the run game like they've just totally abandoned it and. Not even the, just the run game, like using Miles Sanders in the pass game or using these backs as like just. Yeah. I don't uh, know, man. It's it, that, like you said. It's just the offense seems like gimmicky, but not only gimmicky, but lost. At least those Big yeah, Twelve I teams think, run those offenses well sometimes. Sirianni, I think, got caught up in a in a, in the bright lights on, yeah. on Monday night. Uh, at the it's a big I, game. I like there's literally almost no possible way in the history of football. You could find a way to play an entire game and call three run plays. Yeah, like it's literally almost hard to do. Like it, it that's like literally like if I played Madden and you just throw every down because exactly. why run the ball? That's what it looked like. It almost was like he intentionally didn't want to run, and it made no sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know he's still going through growing pains as well. Um, I'm not gonna quit on the guy after three games. No, I'm probably not. Probably won't even quit on him after one year. Um, do I already have my opinions on him? Yes. Um, but, you know, you got to give him time and, and see the adjustments they make. See, I that, that's the thing I struggle with because, yeah, I don't like the way it looks. But also, I didn't like the way the, the Eagles looked after the first three games with Doug Peterson's first year. You know, like they won those first couple of games and then they hit a skid. So it's kind of – this could be, you know, the opposite. Maybe they start out slow and they – turn it up or turn you know turn it into a you know positive start to come together like uh, I think a lot of the talk is like the Eagles don't have a, much of an identity you know they don't right, they don't I mean, know what kind it, of team they are what what they're going to be what you know they have to grow into that and find that out later on in the season I guess yeah the problem is they have a quarterback who's not a good passer but it's a league where you have to pass and then I mean Miles Sanders is good but he's not he's not this featured Derrick Henry type Christian McCaffrey running back that you can just count on to take the ball 30 times and they have a wide receiving core that's inexperienced and not very physical and struggles to get open if you know in the intermediate routes so it's kind of like they're kind of just trying to piecemeal together and be gimmicky and trick the defense and it hasn't I mean it worked against Atlanta it didn't work in the next two games um but no I mean I, I'm trying not to be like the pessimist negative Philadelphia fan but I was telling like the other day, like when you look at Jalen Hurts, like that's he's just not he doesn't fit the mold of like that NFL quarterback. Um, he Russell Wilson plays that way, but Russell Wilson's on such another level that it doesn't even matter. And my same thought is with Sirianni. It's just like I mean, you look at this guy and like. Does he fit the mold of like what we know is to be a good NFL coach? Like he's goofy, all shucks, playing rock paper scissor, like highlighter in the hat. Like it just he just is like the striking resemblance of like 
the guy that we see that gets hired, everybody laughs at him. He coaches for two years and then he's gone. Like he doesn't have that like winning coach look or feel to him. Like there's, you know, sometimes you just have that guy that they just have that feel, that look to him. Like this guy's going to be, yeah, like this is, this guy's an NFL coach. Like this guy's a winning coach, like Mike Tomlin and like Pete Carroll and these guys, like, and then like you see these guys that get these jobs and, and they're just clowns and, and they, they last for a year or two cause they were the hot name and then they're gone. And you know, like he just fits that image of like, this guy's got no shot. Yeah. And my mic was but down I'm that still whole gonna, time. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to give him time and, and, and see, see where he goes. I think the defensive coordinator is good. Um, I like him, but we'll see. Yeah. I think the defense is kind of, uh, you know, getting a little too much shit for what's going on. I mean, they obviously got the ball ran down their throat, but it doesn't help when you're you're on the field the whole game when your offense is going four and out and, you know, one yeah, play turnover. You seven know, of those points are pick, pick six. six. Exactly. It's like uh, he, the big thing, though, we talk about with Jalen Hurts is he, he looks exactly the way he did in college, and that's what I, I didn't understand about the whole – uh, the thought process and even drafting him. I, I've said it from the very beginning. If you were going to draft a quarterback there to back up Wentz, you should have drafted an actual like quarterback that you you know believe in and trust. And they, they maybe they they thought and believed in Jalen Hurts, but I don't know what he ever showed you at those two schools that could tell you that he could you know his skill set would transfer to this level. He does yeah, the same I mean, thing. He he's one read and roll out and you know make a play or throw it away. Yeah, it's the same thing every single time. It's still the same. The I'm not saying concerning. He, yeah, like God. the most concerning thing is like just like the he just leaves the pocket so fast. Like yep. he just doesn't give anyone a chance. Um, and I don't I don't see that changing. And yeah, like you said, like he's just he's a great leader. Like he's and it's like nothing against him as a guy. He's no. a great great guy but like, i want to believe in him he's just not an nfl quarterback like there's a reason he was benched in a national championship game i mean he played for a team that was basically unbeatable and was benched in a championship game for another guy who literally we have found out can't pass um so yeah i don't the pick never made sense but you know in the situation that they put themselves in obviously like the situation with Wentz was over. It wasn't going to work anymore. And they didn't really have another option, so they had to, you know, turn the reins over to Hurts and, and see what he can do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they play some good teams. I think this record could be very ugly in about another month. Yeah. Um, and then the schedule will get a little easier down the back end. But, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be a long football season here in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's just – like you said – we just need to see improvements from both the coach and the quarterback. Uh, coach needs to call better games. He needs to, you know, <laughs> stick to a game plan, have a little bit more of a, you know, idea of what he's doing down there. And Jalen needs to maybe, I mean, obviously he, these guys are preparing and everything, but there's something there's something missing when they're translating it in the game day. They're getting lost yeah. with the bright, like you said, they're getting lost in the lights or they just, I, I don't know. And, I, I just don't understand the, the not running. I mean, like you said, maybe they just like you know lost their cool or whatnot. But I feel like they're worried about the offensive line, a couple of the guys not being healthy and stuff, and they're scared. They like they're trying to get the ball out quick and beat that. When you're not going to be able to run from it, man. Your offensive line is your offensive line. You're going to have to play the game a certain way. 
And yeah, I mean, we saw this with Peterson too, and I'll never understand it. Like when you're down like 13 points in the third quarter, like you're not down 30, like you're two scores away. Like, do they ever sit down and think about it? Like, we don't have an explosive offense. So it would be one thing if you said, yeah, we're the Chiefs. We're going to throw every down because one of every five plays, we're going to hit for 70 yards. We're going to throw a touchdown. We only throw the ball five yards. So if you throw the ball five yards and you catch it or you run the ball five yards and you get tackled, it's the same result. You get five yards, the same amount of time goes off the clock. So this whole theory of we have to pass every down because it's we're down 13 doesn't make much sense to me because a completed pass takes the same amount of time off the clock as a successful run. And again, if you could tell me, yes, but our completed passes go for 17, 20, 30, 40 yards, our runs go for five. But like, if you're just going to throw a middle tight end dump to Zach Ertz for six yards on first and 10, well, you can surely just run the ball for four and you'd yeah. be in about the same, be position. the same thing. And I'm not saying run it 40 times, but just mix it in every once in a while. So the defense has to respect it. And, I mean, Sanders' first run of the game, he ran up the middle for 24 yards and he got one carry the rest of the game on a defense who had struggled against the run all year up until that point, and you didn't even take advantage of it. Yep. And here we are, one and two, staring the, down the barrel of one and three, one and four, one and five. And like you said, this getting well out of hand. Any, uh, Anything else in the any of these teams so far this season really shock you or make you say wow like they they're gonna they're gonna win the Super Bowl? I mean the Bucks are good, the Rams are good, but like I don't think anything. No one's really blown my mind yet. What, what about you though? Yeah, you cut out there. Hello, hello. Yeah, you're good. I okay. was um, <laughs> my my AirPods died. I had to switch it to speaker. Um, I I think the Rams are. Very good. I think they're a little bit better than I thought they were going to be. I thought Stafford would be good there. I didn't think he was going to dominate this quick like this, which is interesting. Like, if he's playing this well in the first three games, what does he do, you know, yeah, later on as he gets season. more comfortable and more familiar? I mean, him and Cooper Cupboard is dominating week in and week out. Um, they're really good. Uh, I think the Buccaneers, obviously, with Brady, they're going to always be there. And the AFC, I mean – the Chiefs being one and two is irrelevant to me. Yeah, they'll they'll be fine. Um, I don't think the Chiefs are going to just dominate like they did the past couple years. I think teams are starting to figure them out a little bit. But besides that, I don't. There's no real team that stands out to me. I think Las Vegas being three and zero. I mean, is super impressive with the wins that they had. I mean, they've beaten. I mean, they beat the Dolphins without Tua, but I don't think there's that big of a drop off between Tua and Brissett. And they beat the Steelers and the Ravens, which are two two good wins. Whether the Steelers are struggling or not, um, that's still always a good win. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I I am worried about the Rams because the Rams have a really good defense. And as you said, Stafford, the more he gets comfortable in that system, and may more. I mean, like Robert Woods isn't even doing anything yet. Once they start activating all these guys, just you know, getting the best out of every every player. Right, Hig- even Higby, Higby's a sneaky. Uh, t- Fantasy tight end that I think the yeah, longer the season goes on, it's gonna. Yeah, he's <clears throat> having a nice year so far, and Stafford likes throwing to his tight ends, so he's he's always gonna give you production. Um, C- CJ, but that whole NFC last night, that whole NFC West is it's gonna be. It's like the it's like the NL West in in baseball. It's just loaded, um, yeah, top to bottom. I'm surprised at how bad Seattle is. Um, looks like they might be the bottom feeders there this year. 
The best bottom feeders in the league, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, their, de- their defense just is, looks pathetic. Yeah, long long ways away from the uh, glory days of them as well. But, they're, I mean, having Lockett, DK, Carson, like they their offense is always just going to keep them in games every once in a while, you know. Games they yep. should lose, they're going to be, you know, like they should have won that Tennessee game. But they, you know, they got that ran down their fucking throats by Derrick Henry. So, yeah, it, it doesn't matter though because uh, that all that here, we're here at the Hot Take Hot Box. We love the NFL. We're actually you not. Know it does matter to us. We are we're NFL fans now. We are gonna se- start separating ourselves emotionally from the Eagles and trying to not yes, get our we, Sundays ruined every time. But we this, are we th- are we are all Rob Lowe at the Super Bowl. Yes. Oh yeah. That's, yep. We're just wearing the shield. Still the header on, on my Twitter. I I'm still just an NFL fan, kind of. You know, I'm just yeah. Love we watching. All are, we just we love Roger Goodell and his league. I love the shield, dude. I root yep. for the shield. I don't root. For I root it. for the shield. I don't root for the yeah. So. I guess that does it for the NFL. I did want to, you know, since you are a college football man, I did want to get some of your thoughts on college football. Kind of a big weekend. A couple big games this weekend. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did want to start with Arkansas and Georgia because that is, to me, like the most intriguing game, I, you know, if I'm being unbiased. Uh, yeah, it, it's a good game. Um, I think Arkansas has played really well. I think they're kind of just playing hot and playing with house money. Um, I think that that ends this week. Um, I think personally, I think George is the best team in the country. Yep. Um, they have a quarterback who's a veteran who, who doesn't make a ton of mistakes. They have playmakers and Kirby smart defenses are just absurdly good. They're as close to an Alabama defense as you're going to get. Maybe better, to be honest. Um, they're just that good. I just don't see Arkansas being able to put up the points. Um, yeah. Arkansas's quarterback's hurt. He's in a knee brace this week. That's going to hurt them. Um, even some of these games that they've won and they've won big, like A&M's back, they played with their backup quarterback. Texas has a quarterback problem. They can't really figure it out. Um, and they've had some gimmicky touchdowns and some takeaway, like turn out pick sixes and stuff. So I think when they have to generate stuff against uh, Georgia this week, they're going to struggle. I don't think I don't know if they get blown out and lose by the eighteen and a half that the spread says, but I don't Crazy. I don't think they I don't think it's gonna be particularly close. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I just amazing to watch to, to watch what they did to Clemson uh, and they're off Clemson obviously isn't that good this year and so Yeah, that's the only knock on Georgia is that the Clemson win isn't as big now as it once was. Yeah. But I mean did they stink. They they couldn't score against NC State, so yeah. maybe I mean the Georgia defense is good, but maybe part of that was just Clemson being bad. And seeing Clemson be bad is awesome because just watching Dabo just have to like choke on his words is so funny. Yeah, dude, uh, <laughs> you don't have to tell me, dude. Fuck Dabo, honestly. But uh, with all due respect, of course. Uh, you, what a uh, why even waste the time? Let's just get right into it. Do you think my Irish win this weekend? I don't. Okay. Um, I knew that was going to be an unpopular take here. Yeah, you're a Desmond um, Ritter guy, though, right? I, I'm a big Ritter guy. I'm oh, a big Luke Fickle guy. Um, I have been pumping, pumping, pumping Cincy up before the season started. I said, I think they can finally be the team that kind of you know breaks the mold and, and gets into the playoff uh, because there's finally a group of five team in Cincinnati who's starting in the top ten, is super talented, and has the schedule – to, you know, put them in a spot where they're going to be respected. Um, and the win against Indiana was big. Indiana's not the best team, but they're top right. 25 team coming yeah. into the year with a lot of potential. They're still a team that if they get hot, 
could probably end the year inside the top 20. And, you know, if, the, if you go and if you beat Notre Dame, who's ranked ahead of you, um, I mean, that's a, that's a huge win. A team that, you know, if Notre Dame beats Cincy, there's a good chance Notre Dame runs the table, you know, and they're right on that cusp of do they get in or don't they get in. So I think the winner of this game is, you know, is going to control their own destiny to put themselves in that conversation. And I think Notre Dame's offense is just doesn't, I don't think they're going to have enough to, to be able to, to get the job done. Yeah, and the defense hasn't really been that great all year, honestly. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm still shell shocked from giving up 40 to Florida State, where I'm, <laughs> I don't know what to expect on a given week. They've, they've played, they played. I mean, the Wisconsin win that's not really that wasn't really a real blowout. That was a close game going into the fourth quarter and through in big chunks of the fourth quarter. They score a touchdown. We answer with a kickoff return, and then. You know, a couple turnovers kind of blow, you know, balloon the score. Cincinnati worries me because I feel I've been telling, you know, everyone that'll listen to me. They're probably going to put up like 60 on our on our defense. I, I just I think we might have trouble. I think we're just going to have to keep him in the pocket. And, and you know, I, I don't know. We're going to I don't think this is a really good Notre Dame team. If I'm being completely honest, their offensive line is not good. They have some playmakers, but their quarterback, you know, you know, anyone who knows that's another thing. I'll scream. I'll be an old man screaming about how bad Jack Cohn is. Yeah, uh, I think that's going to be an issue for them. Um, the one thing I think is move, going man. to be interesting is the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman. Yeah, coming from Cincinnati. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so he's that's right. I you know, forgot he was at it. Cincinnati. No, that's right. Yeah, okay. So he was at Cincinnati last year, so I that's going to matter. Um, he's going to know what Cincinnati wants to do offensively, um, and just as much as that, he's going to know exactly what Cincinnati wants to do defensively. I mean, he was literally their defensive coordinator last year. Yeah. Um, so he's recruited a lot of those guys. He's coached a lot of those guys. So I think he could be just as valuable helping the Notre Dame offense put up points as he can be, you know, doing his own job stopping Ritter. So that's going to be something interesting to see early on if, you know, if it's kind of a slugfest back and forth and if it's going to be played low or if it doesn't matter at all and, you know, both teams move the ball. But I, I'm i just such a big believer in Luke Fickle. I think he's such a good coach. I think he's going to be coaching, you know, a big-time Power 5 team in, in the next few years. USC. And it, I think this is like the it's the biggest game in Cincinnati history, and I think he's going to have them ready to go. Yeah, and it's an excellent opportunity for both teams. You know, like you said, either one wins and runs the table, they're they're <laughs> knocking on the door of a, a playoff berth, and just you know, maybe they. I, I honestly, a lot of the things that they needed to go their way have kind of already gone their way. Yeah, I mean, Clemson's Clemson's out. Yeah. Um, as of right now, you'd probably say Georgia and Alabama probably looking like they're going to be in. Yep. And I, I just After don't that. think I, I don't think Oklahoma's good enough to run the table. I think they have a loss coming. They should have lost last week to West Virginia. Um, they had no business winning that game, but West Virginia just it is inept offensively. Um, to be held to sixteen points in Norman, Lincoln Riley, like that's embarrassing. And uh, I'm just tired of hearing about Spencer Rattler. Like the guy can't play. He's not very good. He's not even close to the guys who have come before him there. These last, you know the. The Hertz, Baker, Kyler Murray group. Like, it's just yeah. not even at the same ballpark. But, yeah, I mean, there's not a ton of other teams, you know, just pushing. ACC is getting no one. The Big Ten, I, I don't think anyone from the Big Ten is going to be able to win enough unless Penn State does it. Um, I don't think I'll Michigan's very up. good. Michigan is not 
good enough to run the table. Ohio State is not good enough to run the table. Um, so it's gonna it'll definitely be interesting. I don't think anyone from the Pac-12 is going to do it. I I just, I mean, how many times have we seen a good Oregon or good Pac-12 team? They still slip up somewhere. There's that random 10:30 p.m. Saturday night loss to to Washington or Washington State or you know USC or UCLA. Here come the Beavers. Yeah, like somebody's going to get them, and I, I think right now, I mean, it's Alabama, Georgia, one, two, and then yeah, it's it's Notre Dame or Cincy as a, as a group of five team, and then I mean Oklahoma until they until they prove they they can't do it, but I just don't think they can do it for a whole year. But the Big Twelve is very down, so they very well could. Alabama and Ole Miss too is another another uh, yeah another that, game. that's gonna that's gonna be a, a good one. Um, probably, I mean, I obviously Alabama is probably going to win, but Alabama, know. I think is just, Alabama's good. Um, it'll be interesting to see young in like a, a big, big, big time game. Yeah. But Ole Miss's defense is so bad that I don't think he can get exposed. Um, I mean the number on the total is like 80 and a half, which is just ridiculous. Um, but we'll, we'll really find out if, uh, Matt Corral is really, should be the Heisman front runner here if it's going to be Bryce Young because they're getting to match each other up and if Corral can you know go in there and hang some points on on the old Crimson Tide he might make his make his case here. Your old thought. the old Johnny moment, man. That's yep. that's when it all switched for for, for Money Manziel, man. Turned him into a full blown degenerate. Uh, okay, so that's about all I have on college football. You got any? It, it, I you brought the, you brought the you brought the heat there with a little bit of college football knowledge there, dude. I'm not going to lie to you. I hit you with the Notre Dame defensive coordinator first year from Cincy. Yeah, man. That's why I'm, you know, I, I remember when I was like, oh, yeah, like, let's go Marcus Freeman. Because uh, I forget where our, our defensive coordinator got hired to go somewhere. Like the head coach or something. But I think it was like, was it Vanderbilt, maybe? Yeah. God awful. Yeah, something along those Just lines where it was like, to nothing good riddance. Yeah, good riddance. But I. I I knew you were going to say Cincinnati is going to win. I, I wouldn't be surprised by Cincinnati's number seven right now in the country, which is pretty, 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 pretty crazy. I I think you were right. Alabama is going to beat Arkansas. Arkansas might be a little, I don't want to call them fraudulent, but, you know, some of the teams they've beaten, I'm not, you know, going to jump over. Yeah, I mean, about, you know, yeah. but let's, uh, let's, let's, let's keep it moving. Let's go to, uh, I did want to get your thought, uh, get your thoughts on the media day Sixers. And Bede, uh kind of, you know, opening up a little bit. Uh, starting to talk about his boys. His feelings are a little hurt. You got Doc still blaming us. It's still our fault. Uh, you know, we're in Neanderthals. Tough to play here. Tough to be here. Uh, what, what, what do you make of it all? Yeah, I, I, I know you I, got some thoughts. I found it very interesting that, like, basically every player, like Tobias, Danny Green, Joel, Joel and Danny Green were, like, the most, besides Ben, like, the most outspoken about, like, the fans. And, like, quickly, like, within their first five minutes of media day, like, walked it back. was like, hey, like, you know, we kind of said it, but we didn't mean it. We love the fans. Danny Green did the old, like, I was just learning what it's like to play in Philly. Whether he believes it or not, but, like, kind of walked it back right from the start. But, like, Doc just won't let it go. It's weird. Like, I don't understand, like, his mood. Like, I don't know if he's trying to, like, talk to Ben Simmons through the media or not, but, like, the guy's not coming back. We don't want him back. I don't think it helps us for him to be back. And then, basically, we heard from Embiid yesterday, which was, you know, the old nail in the coffin. Um, Yeah. 
that was the old RKO out of nowhere. Um, I mean, he just, he just finished. I mean, he just basically aired it all out without, he buried Simmons about as much as he could bury him without flat out, like calling him out and burying him. Yeah. Yeah. It was the most politically correct way to bury somebody that I've, I've seen. I mean, very eloquent. The quote, the quote about like, well, we've run the offense through him for the past five years and got rid of Jimmy Butler for him was like super telling that like obviously Embiid didn't want Jimmy Butler to go and that was a Simmons camp thing. Yeah. And probably a Brett Brown thing because I don't think – I think if Doc Rivers is a coach, he could have dealt with Jimmy Butler and I don't think Brett Brown could ever deal with Jimmy Butler. Um, That one was big. And then the one where like he basically like hung Simmons out the drive for, for like – said it's disrespectful to his teammates and – Joel basically gave the old, like, I'm the best player on the team, so whether Ben's here or not is not going to affect me, but it affects a lot of other guys on the team who are trying to make a living by being part of a team. That was that was a very, like, damning quote, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it just goes to show you, like, it, these his, especially him. Joel's hurt, man. You can, you can just tell, like, that, that you would, you know uh, – they, I think they, at one point there was like, they really did like each other. They were really trying to, you know, like Joel always wanted this to work. He always tried to make it work. And now to see like, he won't even like talk to him and he's like, you know, taking shots at him in the media and stuff saying, oh, he's not, you know, I can't play with him or, you know, it's his style of play isn't conducive to the way I want to play. It's like, I'm sure that's what he said. It's borderline disrespectful. Cause yeah, I think Joel kind of him and Simmons came here as almost a package deal, and you know I think Joel really wanted to to win with Ben Simmons and, and make it work. And I think the the craziest part is it's like when you think about Ben Simmons, and it's like, well, where will they trade him? And everywhere you think of, it's like my response is always, you know, someone's like, well, do you think they trade him to Portland? And I say, well, why would Portland want Ben Simmons? Do you think they trade him to Golden State? Well, why would they want him? Yeah. Do you think they trade him here? Well, why do these teams, like, if he's just going to continue to be a 6'10 guy that has no game and just dribbles around and plays good defense, he's not intriguing to anyone. So, like, I don't, like, he just and his camp will just not take, I mean, they're just going to keep deflecting blame and making up excuses and just not, like, look in the face that like it's him and the way he plays the game. That's the issue. Like there is a rumor. Like I read something that they're saying they thought the Pelicans would be interested in trading Brandon Ingram for, for Ben. And the first thing I thought of, well, the first thing I thought of is, well, how does Ben Simmons with no jump shot needing the ball, six ten running around work next to Zion? Yeah. Like the thing is for the Sixers for trading Simmons, they want to get a guard who can shoot. Well, if you're a team getting Ben Simmons, you need to have next to him a guard that can shoot because he can't. So no one's going to give you a guard that can shoot for a guard, a quote-unquote guard who can't shoot to then put next to their bigs who can't shoot. Like The only way a team would probably move for Simmons is if they're moving a big for him and we can't take on any more bigs. So I think it's a completely flawed trade process right now. And I think the where this most likely goes is the Sixers just sitting on this for the first couple of weeks of the season yep. and hoping a team who either thought they were going to contend starts off real slow and panics or a team that 
like a Wizards or a Portland starts off bad and realizes, you know what, now maybe is the time we move on from Beal or we move on from Lillard. You know, if the Wizards start 4-14 four and 14, or the Trailblazers start, I mean, the Trailblazers lost Carmelo. Not that that's the biggest miss, but, like, he played really well for them. And we've seen the Lillard McCollum just not going to get it done. Um, if they start out in the West and they're 8-18 and 18 or something, maybe they finally just realize it's time to make the move. Yeah, maybe Dame says, like, all right, you know, enough's enough. Like, they, they, I did my best here. I, I just want to move on. And the, the Blazers probably, I'm not saying they would jump at, at all for, <clears throat> for him to come here, but, you know, what, what is a, what, what better, like, one singular piece are you going to get than Ben Simmons? Yeah. And I mean, it might not end up being like the big name guy. Like, it might be Cleveland where you get a Sexton or a Garland, or yeah. it might, I mean, at this point, it's, at some point, it's going to have to be somebody. I love Tyrese Maxey. I think Embiid's quote yesterday about Maxi, where he said, "Look, he can be the starting point guard. He's a great scorer. But the one thing you know, I've ta- I've been talking to him about here in training camp is when you play point guard, when you're a starting point guard, you have to be the point guard. You have to run the offense. You have to make sure guys are in spots. I think he's still so young that he'll lack in that a bit, oh, and yeah. it might slow down. You know, the offense might not run as smoothly. The one thing I will give Simmons credit for, he got the offense in the spots. You know." He got them in the right spots. They got a lot of open shots. Um, but I think this situation is going to mirror the Jimmy Butler to the Sixers situation where the Timberwolves basically just sat on Butler for, what, 20, 25 games. And, like, you know, you saw a team like the Sixers who probably realized, you know, we're not going to get it done with the Rokos and the Darios. Why don't we just go take a chance here? I think that's how this ends up playing itself out. Now that I say that, by the time we get off this call, I'll I'll probably get a woge bomb and I'll probably be traded in the next two hours. For picks and fucking... Yeah, but at this point, I think it's a... Zayer Smith. They're just wait on it and and wait for a team to kind of get desperate and try to pounce on that. Yeah, and I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I just... I I struggle to... uh, I don't know. Get excited for the season. I guess I will be excited when they're playing and I get to see Maxi. Like I'm more intrigued just to see what he looks like at point guard and how Embiid plays. Embiid is probably going to be the best thing for Embiid because he's talk about motivation, man. He's he think I think he knows yeah. going into the season he's got this. He's the guy now, and he's you know Simmons. Simmons is going to be a thing of the past. It's his team 100. percent He's got to carry the boys. Yeah, um, I think the one thing it, I think it, we're going to find out very quickly is it, it's going to hurt defensively. Um, no doubt. You replace Ben Simmons' defense with Tyrese Maxey defense, that's going to hurt. Um, but you're going to get more offense. And, you know, just finally having, like, a capable guard who the other offense has to – or the other defense has to, like, respect and actually guard, I think we'll see it open up more for Joel, open up more for our shooters. It's going to be interesting. Um, but, no, not a lot of positives right now with the Sixers. Um, the only positive so far, I think, coming out of training camp is that City Series jersey because that thing is sick. I like that thing, man. Little little ode to the spectrum on the side. Yeah, I give like me that. The, the the spectrum colored squares down oh, the side. Come Sign on, me up. man, dude. Fire me up, man. I'm now like, just, get, I'm like getting Embiid. Yeah, now just trade for Dame and I'll buy four of them. Or fucking Springer jersey, dude. Give me a Springer. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, but I. I we all know though the the Maxi deal is, or the Maxi is going to benefit us or having a point guard like Maxi will greatly benefit us more in the playoffs. And Ben Simmons is is one of the best regular season basketball players that is going to be that you can have. You know, like if you're trying to make the playoffs, he will win some games for you. He will make your team better. But once the playoffs come around, 
That guy turns into a different guy, man. He plays the game a different way. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we've seen every year the Sixers team has had a lot of regular season. It success. runs into a wall every every year in the playoffs, and we look look around and say, "Why? How? Why is this happening?" And I, I mean, we have a a, a you know hundred eighty million dollar man that's holding us back and holding yep. his own game back. Yeah, and he just won't look it in the eye. And I mean, at the end of the day, like he's just proven to us like what he is. He's just he's just a me guy that doesn't care about anything except. All-star game appearances and kind of just doing his own thing. Yep. Mansions, cars, women, you know. Hey, man, it's probably it's probably nice, uh, Ben, but it's not nice when you're getting paid a, a large sum of money. And pe- You know, listen, man, people are – you got to be accountable, man. In life and anything, when you, when you mess up, it's okay. When you come up yeah. short, it's all right, man. It's really not the end of the world. It's just basketball. But you just got to be like, hey, man, I'll be better next year. I promise. Yeah, and I saw something uh, yesterday, which was I never thought it was kind of interesting. It's like we see this stuff happen a lot in the NBA. And, like there's a lot of different opinions. But like this has happened. And basically everyone from Stephen A. Smith to Colin Cowherd to Kendrick Perkins to all these talking heads and then to the Philadelphia media, to Joel Embiid, to different players. Like there's not one person. One person anywhere besides Rich Paul or Ben Simmons who has taken his side. Yeah. Like, usually you get this guy has this opinion, this guy has that opinion. Someone will say, oh, Simmons is right. He's this. There's not one person in the world besides those two guys who have said, like, he's doing the right thing. He's right. Like, what he's doing is correct. Like, everybody knows, like, the, the guy's a fraud. And, like, I don't understand how, like, the approach that they're taking they think is, like, worth it. And, like, He's hurt. I, the way he's acting is hurting the Sixers from a basketball perspective. But like, it, I don't know. Like, if you're a team, like, how could you honestly trade for this guy at this point? Like, why would you want him on your team? If you're, you have to be extremely desperate, and there has to not be much of a, another option or anything like that. You just have to be. Uh, yeah, I, like unless you, know, you put like, this guy next to LeBron James, like who's keeping this guy in check? Because like, obviously, like you're not going to tell this guy what to do. So. Like, you put him in a Portland or a Washington, like, why would he fall in line there? And there's no chance he will. He he doesn't want anything to do with that. I mean, he was obviously scared to death of Jimmy Butler, so he doesn't like playing with guys that have, you know, a personality or headstrong. So, like, where is he going to go and, like, have success? I just don't know. Um, I think a place like Minnesota, a place like Cleveland, like somewhere that they don't really care about what's going on he can just go in clock in go to work and then go home at the end of the season to los angeles like i i really think that like that that would be his best case scenario i mean obviously he wants to play in la that less traveling but you know for for now where i mean they, they care about basketball out there though man you can't run and hide so you, he has to go somewhere where he can hide send him to memphis you know so, like it's gonna have to be like a absolute dump considered in the nba where a free agent would never want to go yeah, basically somewhere like you said, where he can just be content with playing his eighty-two games, posting eighteen, eight and eight. Maybe they make the playoffs, team, not making the playoffs, not performing, and it is what it is. Yeah, like it, it'd be better for him to not make the playoffs because then he doesn't have to play the extra games. He can go home. So it probably would it probably would work out for him. Obviously, he views Philadelphia that way. Like this place is a fucking dump and wants nothing to do with the playoffs or anything like that. Because if you really wanted to win, you would you would. At least attempt to change your game a little bit, or try to you know be a part of the squad. And 
we all said it for years. They tried to act like they were building like Embiid, and they were trying to. He was trying to curtail his game to Embiid. That never happened, man. Embiid was trying to. The whole team squad tried to help him out and tried to make his life as a point guard as easy as possible. Even though he, you know, you can't run the pick and roll with your point guard and all of the stuff we've talked about a million times. How he's not really a point guard, and you know, he could run the offense, but not re- not in the playoffs, obviously, and. You know, in the half court, it was a little different than it was in in the fast break. Because in the fast break, he's elite, but half court was a maybe a different story. And I'm tired. I'm I'm really tired of talking about him. So it's going to kind of be like when Carson Wentz got traded. I'm going to just be happy that it's over. And uh, you know, we got. It seems like we got we got a good good steal there in that deal. Maybe maybe you know a little sneaky deal with Simmons, like you said. It's going to probably go into the season. I still don't believe that he's going to sit out. What do you, uh, you, you I, think I he's done? I think done? You, yeah, I think there he. That's a lot of money he's going to lose, though, man. I mean, yeah, but like he's such a mental midget, and like here of all places, he cannot show his face. He can't step on the court here. It'll be it won't even be good for the team if he does. Um, because no, I agree. At the end of the day, like that that building will just be it. It'll be untenable. Like. He will just get booed every time he touches the ball. Like as soon as he gets introduced, like he's backed himself into such a corner now. The thing that bothers me the most is like you've been here like for what five years. Like why did you sign the extension here? Because guaranteed money, baby. Like you do you not think that if he turned down his rookie extension, and became a restricted free agent, someone wasn't going to pay him? Like nothing's changed since day one he was here we're the same fan base we were when he signed his extension so like to sign an extension and then the next year be like i don't want to be here i was like why'd you sign the extension here to begin with yeah besides the fact that yes he just wanted the money yeah he just wanted the money and i think you know i I don't i really think it just changed like i think he was okay with it because people were saying telling him to shoot but he always could say you know look at what i've done look at this now i don't think he has an excuse or has anything to say and he knows that you know I'm an all-star isn't going to work anymore and I just don't think he wants to be held accountable here I think like you said he knows he doesn't want to answer for it he wasn't the thing is people act like no matter what he was going to get booed that's not that's I don't think that that's how it was going to be if he was a different kind of person if he had the personality of Embiid or I don't even know but like if not even that just be accountable man just say to the media hey you know Shit, like I, I just didn't do enough, man. I have to, I have to be more willing to shoot. I, you know, I have to be more aggressive. I have to do this. I have to do that. It, we didn't hear anything. It was just kind of like it didn't. I, I'm sure he said it, but it when you watch those interviews at the end of the season, he didn't give a fuck, man. He yeah, just I like, mean, the, the first thing he said after the loss to Atlanta is, "Yes, I know I have to play better, but I am who I am." Yeah. And- Look at the defense I played on Trey Young. Like, that's the immediate thing he thought to say. And it was like, if you just said, like, look, I let us down. I have to be better. I'm going to work on my game and be better. Even if he came back next year and at the beginning wasn't better, like, people would respect that. Yeah. Well, it, the other thing I think of is, like, I just keep thinking is, like, um, like what would happen? Just think, like, if he dunks that ball. He dunks the ball. The Sixers win the series. None of this probably happens. If they go into the series and they lose to the Bucks, people aren't as mad. The Bucks are a good team. Yep, they understand you know, it. Giannis, and and everything is just different. But like that one play literally 
changed the entire course of his career and like this franchise for the next five to eight years. Yeah, and and you can't take it back, man. You can't go back, and the uh, the damage has been done because there, like you said, there is no way he can make this right here, especially. And I don't like he's gonna have to go put his head down and play somewhere, and he's not gonna. The thing is, like, it's a fantasy land to think he's ever gonna shoot and do all that shit. That's never. I'll, we've it's become readily apparent that it is that's not going to happen. So Yeah, I mean, how many years now have we been begging just for, you know, mid-range jump shots? Foul line elbow that. jumper. Like, can't even get that. So, and now we're just basically begging him to be aggressive and try to score the ball. Lay it up every once like, in a while. Brett Brown said like he was going to demand Ben to shoot one three-pointer a game or something yep. and over like the next seventy games, he attempted like three of them or something. Something like, crazy along those lines. Like where, yep. I, <laughs> poor, poor Brett, man. Poor Brett. I, I kind of miss him now, but you know, just because he wasn't shitting on me constantly every time he was being interviewed. But yeah, I've been a little disappointed in Doc. I think Doc's a good coach, but I, I don't know kind of what strategy he's playing here. But I think it'll all shake itself out. I think. The thing that sucks is the East is kind of loaded now. Yeah, um, I think we're the fourth or fifth best team, so it's going to definitely be interesting to see what happens. We're I we've been talking about it, but I think we're just going to need a a kind of a miracle sort of deal situation where we we get lucky and somebody falls into our lap and we can run with the you know a squad next year. We got some shoot, got a couple. You know, I love uh, Niang, man, big big yeah, Iowa State right. guy. I, you know. I, yeah, like you said, I think he's going to be a nice shooter. He's a bigger guy, nice shooter. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz hype video came out, so I'm fucking, you know, oh, I'm Furkan absolutely. With the, with the ball on fire? Yeah, I'm Come absolutely juiced. Uh, you know, I am, you know, I'm always Sixers basketball. I love these guys, man, so I'm, I'm going to be excited about it, but it's it's just, I don't know. It, it feels like it's this. I'm not, you know, also part of me is battling with the fact that I'm not going to let Ben Simmons take away my love for the Philadelphia 76ers. Fuck that guy. Oh. That's like that's the way I view it. Like uh, for a while there, I was like upset because I'm like, dude, I was in I was in the building for Game Seven last year. Like I never felt like that before leaving a sporting event, man. I I, I was upset, and you know, and then this guy, the, the one of the guys that was out there making thirty, I paid a hundred dollars to be in that building. That guy was making thirty million all year. He didn't give a fuck. Went home, just whatever, putting up videos in his hot tub. That's great, man. But. And now he's blaming, and now everyone's blaming me. I was in the building last year, you know. I'm I'm one, I'm one of the fans. You're one of the fans. Uh, it's hard to play here. I, I I I couldn't disagree more with that because all you have to do is put your phone down. It's really not that hard to play here. I mean, people boo you when you miss a layup every once in a while. Yeah, but the crazy thing is, like, he was never even booed. Like, yeah, he shot thirty percent from the free throw line in the playoffs, and every time he went to the line, all that happened was the fans got on their feet and basically tried to will him to make foul shots cheering from him we have you know the gif of the guy standing up in row five doing the little free throw shooting form <laughs> like people did nothing but encourage him and then you know when he failed once again sorry you took a little bit of criticism because you literally did everything wrong that a basketball player should do like and couldn't admit it that's the thing. Couldn't admit it, and we like, yeah. It's the one. The one thing we asked you to do was just stay aggressive, and you know, give it your all. And you may have been trying, but when you're not, you know, being aggressive, it comes off as you don't give a fuck, and you're not, you're not giving your all because, you know, 
You could you could have yeah, done like, more. You, you there's more you could have done. We can blame Embiid for turning the like we we talked about all, like we can blame Embiid for turning the ball over at the end of that game. But in, at the end of the day, he should not have the ball in his hands that much. He should not be the one initiating the offense. He's seven two. That's the point guard's job, and he can't do it. So yeah, and the way I look at it is like, all right, we kind of blame Brett Brown, and you know maybe Brett was too buddy buddy with him. But then like you bring in an established guy like Doc Rivers who has a legit voice and like. He can't get through to him. Obviously, there's no getting through to this guy. No. And he's checked out. I've checked out. And hopefully it has a resolution soon enough. Daryl Morey, I'm looking at you, too. Because if this deal sucks, then you're an absolutely do-nothing clown. I'm going to start, start attacking him soon if uh, it doesn't go well. You know? Yeah, I mean, Daryl's being put in a tough situation with this one. I agree. Ben is not making it easy for him to find a trade partner. That's That's the big issue. I just think, you know, maybe a cardinal sin mistake of this too was informing everyone that he was going to be traded and then it turns out he what, you know, he didn't get traded and you lose out on Harden and then you got to go to the guy and say, "All right, practice is at 6 o'clock later." <laughs> yeah, we'll see you tomorrow in Camden. Yeah, you know, so it's three like man, three man weave, get ready. I get it, but that Simmons doesn't owe us any, you know, like in his mind, you know, from his thought process, he's like, fuck the Sixers. I'm not going to help them out at all. But also helping us is helping you, bro. That's what I've been saying that this whole time. If you really, your whole goal is to one out, then you got to cut you. You got to help us out. You got to at least maybe come play a game, whatever. I don't know. Not, not cause it's not his job to improve his trade value. It's like, you're not wrong, but it's also your job not to completely tank your trade value. Like if you want to get traded, Help us make you tradable. Like you're making yourself untradable. Yeah. Then uh, uh, let's hope that it has a resolution. And I would like to ask: Do you have anything else that you would like to get out to the public? Talk about anything that was on your mind? The union. I know you're a big union guy. Flyers. <laughs> no, I mean Flyers not, are not, starting soon, though. So flyer, Flyers are starting soon. I think uh, the Flyers are going to be an interesting bunch this year. I think they made a lot of good moves. Um, maybe we could. You know, next time down the road, we can talk about them a little bit more. They'll either be right before the season or, you know, a couple games in. We can touch on them a little bit and see how they look. But I think they're going to be a pretty good team. I think they're going to make it interesting. And I think, you know, maybe they steal some of our uh, attention away from the Sixers if the Sixers struggle a little bit. Hopefully. I need something else to focus on. Uh, I hope I hope we get a better Carter Hart this year. I hope the defensive uh, additions help him out. I'm happy that they shook up the core I've, I've been asking for for so many years. You know, I love Voracek, but it, you know, it kind of wasn't, it wasn't making a difference, wasn't doing nothing. If you're not going to trade Giroux, then that's the only other option to trade. Uh, I like Cam Atkinson because he puts the fucking puck in the net. Uh, yep, they brought in and they brought in some some veteran guys who are going to have a voice in the locker room. I think yeah. it's really going to help. I think yeah, for a while, Voracek, he, he's a good vet. He's more of a you know a, a clown type guy. Um, I think having more voices than just Giroux and Couturier is, is going to be big. And I think Carter Hart can only play better. Um, and with an actual defense in front of him, I think you're going to see that. I think they're going to definitely be um, an interesting team. And, and if they're not, uh, AV is going to be on the hot seat. Yeah. Yeah, that's how hockey moves, man. Had one good year, one, like, you know, not so good year. And then <laughs> if this starts out bad. He will get fired. He'll get the axe right yeah, away. I mean, Fletcher Fletcher made the moves that he thinks going to put them in a position to be successful. So you know he's going to be looking on the coach to to have success with these guys. Yeah, and looking at youth, uh, twenty eight. Looking at you, Captain, because 
Uh, it's about time you have another one of those. Uh, I mean, I guess he hasn't been terrible, but also it's not. I want more, man. I want more. Uh, I'm looking. There's. A, I got a picture of him uh, on my wall. Somebody bought me a fucking frame picture of him. And I'm looking <laughs> at him right now, saying, "Hey, man, I need more from you." Twenty eight. I don't know. That's all. That's about all I got. I just want to make sure I let him know because I know he listens. Clued. Yeah, he, definitely. Uh, he's definitely listening. Shoot the damn puck. Nah, shoot! Happy that we, they don't have ghosts anymore. Uh, yeah, I love being at the Flyers game, Jones. Shoot! Shoot the damn puck! I will. I will just confirm now. I, I will be in the building for Game Two of the season. I think it's Monday, October eighteenth. It will be the first ever matchup between the Philadelphia Flyers and the Seattle Kraken. Oh, let's go, dude! All right. Well, then you're definitely gonna have to come on the pod after that. So we uh, give us your we'll, breakdown we'll, of the Kraken. We we open it up on a on a Friday night versus Vancouver at home, and then oh. Monday that Monday we get the the Kraken in town. So I couldn't miss that opportunity for the the first ever Kraken game in Philadelphia. I think I might get I think I might you know start start getting amped up for Flyer games because I I am it's, it is funny though because last couple of years have been a little bit dull for the Flyers. I am a little bit excited. They have I love when trades like that happen just to give me the new look for a little bit. To see, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, the excitement. Nothing better than that electric building for playoff hockey. Oh, uh, exactly. Uh, I, I, and I, yeah. That <laughs> for anyone who's never been to a playoff hockey game, man, you have to be in the building for one. Even watching on TV is just spectacular. But yeah, being in there is something that, different. That first year of AV, we got playoffs, so we're in the bubble, so we yep. need it back back in the old Wells Fargo. Yeah, and I get the building rocking and some goal song, some w- w- weird Swedish house music that I've never heard of, but it, that winds up on my phone and I'm like, "Yeah, baby, play the song." Dun 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 dun. I'm like, "All right." Nah, but I I do love uh, Flyers hockey and looking forward to it. Uh Sebastian Latou does not play for the Union, but he was on I was at a Phillies game the other day and some guy had a Sebastian Latou jersey on, so There we go. Little little confused. <laughs> Uh, a little throwback, yeah, a little throwback action, but that's about all I got. Man, I, I'm I got that's all the Philly takes I have. Uh, I'm gonna start this off. You didn't hear it, Dean, but I did start this off with a Hall and Oates uh, song. So you know we're gonna we're we're playing you guys into the uh, into the Friday evening and enjoy your weekend. Bet Notre Dame, uh, fire money line, uh, and you know have a great time. Yeah, uh, thanks everyone for listening again. It's always a pleasure, and uh, go Philly sports. <laughs>